a couple of years ago, uh, Steve and Priscilla, they left the Grace Place to plant the Grace Place NYC, our sister church, our partners in crime. And in New York, they oversee the church and the Dream Center. Now, I have gotten to witness firsthand on a personal vacation where they let me stay in their little home, uh, got to take the kids' beds, and on a mission trip, all that they're doing to serve the people of New York City. Okay, these two are no joke. They are in the thick of it, talking about Jesus. Now, we originally planned for Priscilla to come speak in April of 2020, but as you all know, that was, I mean, one month before the pandemic started. So I'm excited that she's finally here. Uh, When I became the women's director over three years ago, she was one of the main people that I wanted to come speak to our group. Uh, Priscilla, if you want to come start making your way up here. So a few months ago, Priscilla, she called me and she asked me something to the effect of if I was still teaching or doing full-time ministry. Now I told her that I was still teaching and I was leading the women's group. She encouraged me to continue praying and pursuing what God laid on my heart years ago to serve in vocational ministry. She said she would be praying for me and weeks later I accepted the job of being the next steps pastor here. She she challenged me to trust Jesus more and communicate with him on a deeper level. You guys, Priscilla, she's passionate about Jesus. She's obedient to his will, bold in spreading the gospel, and has such a heart for women and children. So Priscilla, you have liberty to share biblical truths with us today. Good morning. I am... So incredibly honored to be here this morning. I, as we were worshiping, I was thinking, I I had this thought in my mind, and I'm going to just do what I was thinking. So (laughs) if you've known me since I was a child and through high school, can you stand up? Okay. I, I, you guys are pregnant, so I cry a lot. (laughs) I want to honor these women today because I would not be here. I would not be in ministry. I was a little girl in a low-income apartment, and Jennifer Manley's not here today, but she is a part of our story. Anytime we tell our story, she is a part of it. Her name gets carried from here to New York to Ireland, where I used to live for a little while. Anywhere that I've gone in ministry, these women, those that you've stood up, have been with me and have just been a major influence um, to our ministry, and um, Jennifer Manley would drive the church bus in the neighborhood, and as creepy as that sounded, it was a white van <laughs> picking up children. My mom's like, "Yeah, take all our kids." <laughs> we jumped in that van, no questions asked. Thank God we ended up at church. Um, but from nine years old, we came to church. No parents were coming with us. A bunch of little hoodlums running around, causing a ruckus. And the women that you see standing up became aunts and grandmothers and, 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 and surrogate mothers and loved on us and didn't make us feel like we didn't belong or we weren't a part of a family and just loved on me, did missionettes with me, taught me the word and 
this, the Grace Place, it was formerly Bethel and has, has changed through the years, but the faces are still the same and have been our sending church to New York City. So I want you to know that every woman that has been spoken into my life, whether you're older or younger, have been a part of what God is doing in our lives in New York City and reaching. And so I just want to honor you and thank you today because it just, you, you blow me away and, and, and encourage Women here today, don't think that a small conversation with a little girl or a little boy out here at church on Sunday or a teenager isn't going to do much. It goes so far. And so I want to encourage you, whether you think you have, you're not a missionary on some foreign field or somebody that has a title of a pastor, you make a difference. And I want to encourage you in that. And if I can quickly honor Don and Pastor We had come from a very, very broken, my husband and I, we were very broken ministers. And they gave us a job as youth pastors and took us out of a situation that we were in. And their ministry, your love, your support truly healed us and truly softened our heart to ministry again because we were hurt and broken. And so you and and pastor have just played a huge role um, and what we're doing today as well. well be, beyond that, I mean, so much. I could, I, we could do a whole sermon on that. So thankful. I'm sorry. I'm a little short too, so I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> so I'll try to do this. Um, I, oh, they took the pictures out. Anyway, you got to see my kids and my family, my husband and my two babies. We're so proud. I am a, if you follow me on social media or on Facebook, it's all, all all my children. Okay, so I'm 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 super obsessed with them. They're lovely kiddos. Avia, they're both excited about the new addition. Avia, before we left, she got her little face a couple inches away from mine because we're in New York City. We walk a lot. She's nine, so she's used to it. She's got her New York City legs, but she told me about a stroller and she said, "It's not going to go well for you." or me, if you don't get a stroller with a board. (laughs) Those little riding boards. So she's sassy. She's very sassy. And I'm like, okay, well, that's mafia if I've ever seen it. Um, New York City. Um, And then my son is just a sweetheart. He is just so cute, so proud. He's kind and lovely, and they both just love the Lord. Um, And my husband, I'm love him. He's, he's amazing. They had a, his first father daughter dance last night. And I told him if I, I can only see it through pictures. So I was so sad that I wasn't there, but, um, I told him if, if I didn't know that I could love him anymore, my heart just like overflow for him. It was so sweet seeing him in videos dancing with my daughter. Anyway, that's my family. And, um, they're sad they couldn't be here with you guys today, but they are living it up in the city. So I want to start off. I actually, I have a video to show you to kind of jump off my message. I'm so excited about this word. God has been, um, he's, he just, he's moving. He is moving. And regardless if you feel it or not, he is. And my heart for you today is that you begin to jump on board with what he's doing jump on board with what he's doing. And I, and I pray today that I leave you with something, with some nugget, just a little bit of an opening. If you don't already have that already, um, 
to just have our eyes open. The word of God says that he gives us ears to hear and eyes to see, to perceive what God is doing in this day. And I, there's so many things that are going on that through the news, um, wars, rumors of wars, all of these things that can overwhelm us and make us feel like this, this is crazy. Like this is awful. This world is awful and it's ugly and it's evil. And I think that's the devil's plan for us to only see the negative so that we can miss the goodness that God is doing, the power that he's wielding and giving the pe- his people to utilize in this day and age. Um, so let's go ahead if we can play that video. So I'm obsessed with glass blowing, <laughs> hence the video. <laughs> Um, there's something about it that is so fascinating to me. Watching it is therapeutic. I don't know if I started a habit here today. You're like, oh, I'm going to look up some glass blowing videos now. Um, there's a show on Netflix. It's really, really good, and it's a competition about glass blowing, and I can just watch it all day. There's just something about it that just captures my attention, uh, the beauty of it. Um, it. It just, it really is amazing to me. My family knows how much I love it, so... Um, about a year ago, I think my, my last birthday, they commissioned some really beautiful pieces for me for my birthday. And so my son, he made me this glass blown necklace. Um, and my daughter made me a bracelet, like glass bone bracelet with these little flowers called forget me nots on them. And I'll get into the meaning of the forget me nots in a minute. Um, watching someone take a hard inanimate object and mold it into something beautiful and functional, it just reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me of the Lord. And I think that's why I'm so obsessed with it. A finished glass-blown piece to a glass-blower is precious because the artist has full knowledge of how it started. The piece has a past of being nothing. No purpose, no beauty, but to a sculptor, beauty is truly in the eye of the beholder. The advantage of imagination and creativity makes way for the eyes and hands to mold a mundane object into a magnificent masterpiece. The glass submits to the heat and the hands, and then the magic happens. I don't know about you, but when I see art that catches my eye, I don't just appreciate it as if it came out of nowhere. I want to know who made it. Glass does not mold itself, so we look for the name of the one who made it. Um, we have the Met, where we li- we're privileged to live in New York City, where there are wonderful museums. So we go to the Met and we look at paintings and we look for the name. Who did that, right? It, it, paintings just don't like appear. We look for the one who made it. This brings me to the forget me nots. As my husband and children were designing my glass pieces, he asked me what my favorite flower was. And because a book I read called Parables of the Cross, written by a woman named Lilius Charter, which I highly recommend, um, the flower forget-me-nots became a favorite of mine, and, and it serves as an important reminder to me. And I'm going to read a scripture. It's from Hosea 13, 4 through 6. It says, But I am the Lord your God from the lands of Egypt. You know no God but me, and besides me there is no Savior. It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought, but then they had grazed and became full, and they were filled, and their hearts were lifted up, therefore they forgot me. The glass survives the fire because of the Creator. 
the finesse, the technique, and the ability to know how far to push and mold the glass serves as the safety and protection of the piece. The artist knows the boundaries well because it knows the glass well. Can you imagine that after all of that, a beautiful glass piece could stand alone and say it became all that it was on its own? That the praise of its beauty could be internalized and seemingly fulfilling that it would forget that it did not get there on its own. The Israelites had a repetitive problem of forgetfulness. They would time and time again be delivered and the blessings of the deliverer would become their idol. This brings me to my first point, which is don't forget where you have been. There's a story in the book of Joshua where God tells the Israelites to cross over the Jordan River. And as they crossed, the Lord did a miracle much like he did when parting the Red Sea when they escaped Egypt. He parted the Jordan River so that the Israelites could cross over on dry ground. But after he performed this miracle, God asked them to do something very, very specific. He asked them to gather 12 stones from the very area of the river that they walked and asked them to make a memorial to remember what the Lord had done. In Joshua 4, 20 through 24, he says, the word says, those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord, your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord, your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord God forever. If you are here today, I think it would be safe today to say that you have survived 100% of what life has thrown at you. You've survived it. You're here. The hardest times that you have lived through, the saddest, the most breakingest, I think that's a word. You've survived it. You're here. You're breathing. You're alive. Thank God. You might be broken, you might be knocked out a little bit, you might be bruised, you might not be able to feel like you can catch your breath, but you're here. And God wants to remind you today the power that he holds to not just help get you through what you're going through, but to thrive, to thrive in it. Sometimes it's impossible to believe that we can thrive in pain, right? But I'm telling you, It's possible because God is good. He's so good. Some of us have had very close calls, but you have survived the bad choices, the wrong turns, and the things that you had no control over. And that's God's grace and mercy at play in your life. But sometimes current circumstances can cause us to forget the survival and deliverance of our past circumstances. Sometimes we can be so overwhelmed today that we forgot what he did yesterday. 
When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, they were quick to forget what the Lord had done. So much so that they built an idol at the foot of the mountain where God was meeting with Moses. So when the Israelites crossed the Jordan, God wanted to make sure that they would remember. Have any of you had like a, you're not going to forget me moment? I have those a lot sometimes. I'm like, you're not, you're going to remember the day you met me. <laughs> like, I, I, my daughter gets her sassiness from somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Didn't come out of nowhere. I kind of molded that one. <laughs> those moments can be birthed out of anger or tenacity, but God's don't forget me moments always come from a place of love. His moments rescue us. They don't stick it to us. God wasn't asking them to place a memorial to point out what they couldn't do. He asked them to build it to remind them of what he could do. Sometimes it's a shift of a perspective. Sometimes we think God is like, let me get you out of this mess again. Let me show you what it's like to live without me. Sometimes we have a perspective where God is just constantly punishing us. He's not sticking it to you. He's rescuing you. And sometimes how we respond to him or how we see his love towards us lies in our perspective. And sometimes it wasn't your fault. Sometimes it's how things that happened to us that we couldn't control. Maybe I had, God still the Lord's working on me, but some of us have daddy issues. Some of us were hurt by men in our lives. Some of us were hurt by women in our lives. Some of us have gone through things. Maybe you were bullied in high school. Maybe you're currently being bullied. Maybe there's something that's going on that is beyond your control. Maybe you got sick. Maybe you are not well. And you're, all of these thoughts and these perspectives of God are shaping how you live in your current circumstance and allowing God to love on you. And to walk you through the moment. But sometimes we have walls that are built up. That keep us from God wrapping his arms around us and loving on us through the hard times. Right? I want to remind you all that we all have an origin story. All of us. Every single one of us have a story to tell. There are parts of our past that we prefer to remain unremembered and unknown. But it's only through God's goodness that he can bring to remembrance our past and we can be filled with gratitude, not shame and condemnation. What a good God that is. That our most embarrassing, heart-wrenching, ugly parts of our lives, that eventually if we allow God, he can use those as moments of powerful testimony that can change the lives of others and tell people, he did it for me, he can do it for you. God puts power in those moments and in those testimonies. It is only God who can take a weapon that was meant to destroy us and then refashion it into something that will bring him glory, causing us to be useful and not useless as our past would have us believe. Let God use your story. There is absolute power in your testimony. And some of us are walking around so ashamed And God's saying, stop it. It's powerful. I've redeemed you. I've healed you. I've delivered you. Let me show you what I can do with that. He doesn't want to embarrass you. He wants to use you. There's so many women who are sitting down and they have that thinking, 
young girls. I'm so ashamed. Like if anybody knew what I went through and there you are sitting with the story or nobody's gone through this. Like I've gone through this or I can't, certainly nobody would struggle the way that I struggle. And, And we sit silent, letting somebody else believe that they're the only one and they're alone in it. And they're hurting in it. When sometimes all it takes is, I've been there. Do you know that the percentage of women in pornography is up? Who wants to just say, you know, like, who wants to do that? I struggle with pornography. Who wants to do that as a woman? It's shameful. But we have lots of young girls who have had access to internet much younger than what we ever had who are currently struggling and they feel ashamed and locked up and feeling like nobody else struggles when some of us could easily say, Hey, God delivered me from that, but we're so ashamed and bound. The devil likes to keep us silent of the things that we struggle with. And it offers no help or no way out or hope to say, God can deliver me. He can deliver you. But we keep quiet by the things that God's delivered us from because we're so ashamed. God says, no, I'm gonna make that powerful. And and please hear me. I'm not saying, like, you go tell everybody your business. Okay? (laughs) I'm not saying that. But sometimes we can be in a conversation, like, if you only knew what I went through, you wouldn't be feeling that way. And we walk away. Instead of saying, hey, verbalize it. Tell them, God can deliver me. He can certainly deliver you. Revelation 12, 10 through 11 says this. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them this day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Your testimony, what God has brought you from, is a weapon because it's covered by the blood. There is power behind it. It's covered by the blood. There is power in your testimony. Come out from under shame and condemnation and let God use you. My second point is don't forget where you're at. In glass blowing, there's something that the artist uses called the glory hole. And a part of that you saw, it was like kind of like a box in a hole and he kept sticking it in. Do you see that part where he would stick the pole into the hole with the glass at the end? It's a hole in the side of a furnace that's used to put the glass in and out as it's being molded. And the process of being sculpted, the glass begins to cool down. So the artist has to go back and forth into the glory hole, reheating the glass so that it remains moldable. The glass is only pliable when it is still intensely hot from the fire. When the glass becomes cold, it becomes unmanageable. That, my friends, is called discipleship. (laughs) Is it not? Back and forth into the fire. You feel like, oh, I'm just about to cool down. And God's like, nope, I got a little bit more work on you to do. Back into the fire. Regardless, if you currently find yourself in the wilderness where everything seems hard or in a season of plenty where things seem to be going your way, discipleship is a non-negotiable in the Christian faith. Non-negotiable. Jesus uses his word. He uses time spent with him. He uses pastors, trials, and the body of Christ, the women around you, 
to shape us into his disciples so that we will not just endure this life, but thrive in it. As a church, it would be unbiblical of us to provide time, of us not to provide the time and space for you as the body of Christ to engage in discipleship. That's wrong. To not give that and not offer the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, it would be unbiblical for you to not engage. The church is called to, the pastors of the church are called to equip the saints for the work of the Lord. As a church, we're called to give those opportunities and those moments and those, those points of discipleship. If we don't do that, we are not following the mandate of the Lord. The word of God in James says, if you know the good you should do and you do not do it, it's sin. As the church, we're called to provide these areas. And as the body of Christ to not respond to it is just as unbiblical. Colossians 1, 28 through 29 says this. We proclaim him, warning and instructing everyone in all wisdom that is with comprehensive insight into the word and purposes of God so that we may be present with every person, complete in Christ, mature, fully trained, and perfect in him, the anointed. For this I labor, often to the point of exhaustion, striving with his power and energy, which so works greatly Um, So, sorry, so greatly works within me. The pastors of this church, the staff of this church, work to the point of exhaustion. Not because they're all works mentality and workspace, not because they want to look a certain way or look good, because they love Jesus and they love his word and they take the mandate of God seriously. It's... There's a scripture, I believe it's in James 2, where he's like, do not teach the word or you will be held to a higher standard. I read that and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, there's a weight to that. There's a weight to that. And I promise you, the pastors of this church, the people of staff on this church do not take that weight lightly. They are moved by love to offer points of discipleship, not obligation. They love Jesus. And they want to see you thrive in him as well. Your church has small groups to serve this very purpose. To come together as believers to study the word, encourage one another, and sharpen one another. I cannot stress enough how important it is for you to join one. Like your cultivation classes on Wednesdays and your C groups, some of you, God might be wanting you to not just attend C groups, but maybe host and lead one. Maybe God's stretching you in this season. There are points and areas that God's saying, I have provided for you where you're at. Some of you are like, I just feel like I can't grow. I don't know where the Lord is. Where is God in my life? He's probably at C group. <laughs> He's, I mean, he is everywhere. But there are women gathered, men and women and children gathered trying to study the word and grow. And sometimes we can say, I don't understand what the word says. I'm just never going to get it. You know where you will understand it? Cultivation class. I don't go to this church, so it's no skin off my back. I'm just letting you know. I've got no, 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 no pig in the game. It's horse in the game. <laughs> what is it? Horse in the race. 
I've lost my my southern um, analogies. Anyway, no pig in the game. I don't know where that came from. Okay. But you want to learn the word and you're having a hard time. Guess where that comes from? Community and someone saying, I know what that means. I have a resource. I can show you. But you don't get that if you are secluded and you draw away and you don't enter into community inside the local church. There's a point to the local church. And it's not to just you know, just gather together and just shoot the breeze, which is fun, right? It's fun to not always have to go so deep, but I will tell you anytime I'm a, I'm a go deep real quick person. So it can get awkward real fast sometimes. (laughs) I always, anytime I meet like new moms or anything at the park, I, I end up like, you know, we end up having like a little mini Bible study and I'm like, why can't you just be regular? Like, just like, just talk about the flowers or something. And I'm like, do you know Jesus? (laughs) What's God doing in your life right now? I'm like, could we talk about something else? (laughs) I just met you. (laughs) Um, But there is, there is something to be said in community that's provided already for you. You don't even have to create it. It's there for you. Take advantage Another form of discipleship that you have in this church is outreach. God has provided so many areas for the church to go beyond the Sunday service. Do you know church isn't about Sunday? Do you know that's not the main event? The main event are those quiet, beautiful moments between you and another person discussing the depth and the love and the goodness of Jesus To truly be the hands and feet of Jesus is outreach. These aren't just programs that just to pass the time, there's purpose and there's meaning in it. Let God mold you as you serve and volunteer for Grace Day, for the back to school outreach. Let God mold you as you serve and volunteer for the kids' summer blast, which is y'all's VBS, the fall festival. Those, those things look like a lot of fun. They, they are fun and they've got popcorn and you've got all these fun things going on, but there's purpose to it. Those are opportunities to reach the lost and bring them in. And to say those things, I've been where you're at and God rescued me. It's those moments of opportunity to share your testimony with the lost. And sometimes we see it as, you know, just events that our church has that we get to partake in, which you should have fun. Loving on the Lord and being used is fun if you let it. Let God mold you as you volunteer and disciple youth from your youth group. Volunteer for that. You know what? We need volunteers for youth group. I'll do it. Jennifer Manley, she had four children. I think three children at the time. And her and her husband ran a chiropractic business. And there she was every Wednesday and Sunday picking me up for church for three years. She's a busy woman. Let God mold you as you serve the children in kids' church. Volunteer. If you have a church that you call home, whether it's the Grace Place or somewhere else, there are so many opportunities to allow God to shape you, stretch you, and mold you. Like greeters. Well, how is God going to use greeters? Maybe you're a little shy. Maybe that's going to help you get out of your shell a little bit. It's not wrong being shy either. That's part of your personality. Don't be ashamed of that. 
right? Just as I don't apologize for being bold. <laughs> don't apologize for how God made you. There's, I love the contrast between Deborah the prophetess and Esther the queen. She rode into battle just headstrong and out. And then Esther, quiet, quiet and shy and calculated, saved the Israelites as well. Right? God can use your personality wherever you're at. Don't be ashamed of how God made you. But God can use you. Even shyness can set you up in a place where you don't have to create conversation out of thin air. Welcome to church. So glad you're here. Over and over and over again. (laughs) And you'll get to know somebody. You'll get to have opportunity to know more faces. Let God use you in the things that God's provided within your local church. Kids workers, service prep, next step centers, young adults volunteers, parking attendants, coffee center helpers. There are so many areas in your local church that God can use you, shape you, and mold you and help and, and help give hands to your local church. This is, you know, actually I added this in here. I didn't say this to my church, so I kind of want to, but sometimes when it's your own church you got to have somebody else come and do it. (laughs) I want to encourage you, if you've not volunteered, if you've not tried it out, try it out. Just say, hey, I want to help. Because I'll tell you what, 20% statistically do 80% of the work. And people get tired. They eventually burn out. But we want to love on our community. And loving on our community, loving on our local church means, you know what, you're you're doing coffee, and I've seen you doing it for the last two years, every Sunday. You know what? Can I give you a break for a few months? I'm going to take your spot. Notice, look around, because you see them. You see the same greeter, and you're like, man, I just feel so warm and welcome. For the last two years that I've attended here, they have welcomed me with a smile and a hug every time. Notice their faithfulness, and notice that they might be tired. (laughs) They might need a little break. 20% does 80% of the work. Notice, look around, and offer your help, and watch God move in your life and use you in a way that you have yet to be used. If you allow, God can truly stir up a holy passion for people in areas like these that are seemingly mundane and ordinary, but you never know what holy... Spirit kindness can do as you pour a cup of coffee for someone who came in broken and in need of Jesus. God has provided a way for you to grow in your spiritual life right where you are at, right here at the Grace Space. And can I say one other thing? It's I was listening to a podcast and I thought it was really interesting because he was talking about how, especially through COVID. When we couldn't attend our churches, people were discovering podcasts and other pastors from different churches. You saw like these massive churches and they were putting out incredible content. And you were like, oh, I didn't know this pastor. It's a good word. Oh, I love that word. I love this. And as you start to come back to church, you start to compare this mega pastor with your church. Oh, my pastor don't preach like that. Our worship doesn't sound like that. Look at all those people there. Where are, where are all the people at our church? He actually likened it. It's a little crass, so I apologize. But he likened it to a married, mar- in a marriage where a partner struggles with pornography. 
how they struggle with pornography and then they become desensitized and they become satisfied with what they see on the screen and no longer desire it or need it in the home that God's actually provided it. I thought that was so interesting. So they begin to resent what they had at home because it didn't look like what it looked like on their screen. And he likened, he made an analogy and a tie between that and about the time where we just consumed because that's all we could do online for, for looking at like our, our, you know, our, 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 um, services. We would look at what our pastor put on and then we would look at what this pastor with a million dollar budget would be able to put on. And we compare, why doesn't our, tr- well, there's a reason for that. Millions of dollars reasons why. <laughs> Some of these people have teams of people working alongside their pastor with a message to try to get really good creative content, which is wonderful. I think that's great. I'm not knocking that down. But sometimes you have smaller churches with a pastor who it's all him every week, tearing through the word, looking at it, asking God to to, to move in him and allow him to see it differently, to provide something for you all on his own or her own. Appreciate where God has put you. Look at where you're at and see God move there. The reality is, is there will always be reasons to not do what should be done. And let's be honest. Where church and our spiritual life is involved, that happens more than not. It's much easier to not show up for church or not volunteer or not come to church on Sunday or Wednesday than it is our job, obviously, right? They pay you. You got to pay the bills. You got to do all these things. And obviously, please go to work. I'm not saying don't go to work and, 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 you know, be responsible. But at the end of the day, when we go to heaven, he's not going to ask you, were you on time to work every day? He's not even going to ask you, did you go to church every Sunday? Right? Those aren't the questions that are going to be asked. But do, I, do you know me? Do I know you? Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is a long-running joke in our church. I quote Elizabeth Elliot every chance I get. Like every message she's quoted, I love her. She is a mentor of mine. She has no idea. She's long, she's passed away for a long time either. She had no idea she's ever mentored me, never met me, but she is a significant part of my life. She says this, God will not protect you from anything that will make you more like Jesus. Take a long, hard look at yourself and you might find that you are asking God to protect you from himself as our good father is going back and forth from molding you into that glory hole, our willingness to submit to the fire depends on your perspective. Do we believe God to be good? Do we believe that God is more faithful than our payday? Do we believe him to be more fulfilling than a loved one? 
do I even want to be more like Jesus? Is he worth it? Why do I personally endure the fire? Why do I endure the repetitive process of being molded and back in the fire, molded and back in the fire? of one word, gratitude. No one has ever rescued me the way he did. No one. No one has ever loved me the way Jesus has. And I have an amazing relationship with my husband. I love him to death and he loves me. Not even him can hold a candle to what Jesus did for me. Number three, do not forget him. We have to be a people that learns to hold tight to Jesus, hold to what's eternal, and hold with open hands everything else that is not. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break it and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we are not careful to renew our mind daily to the fact that Jesus is our Lord, that he directs our steps, and that he alone satisfies, then we greatly run the risk of his blessings morphing into our gods. We end up protecting what is fleeting like money, material things, jobs, relationships against the one who gave it to you in the first place. And I'm not talking about the things we love that we know are not good for us. I'm talking about the good things, the things in our lives that are truly blessings. In this portion of scripture in Hosea, he was talking about how the Israelites forgot him when they got to where he had planned for them to go, to the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. It takes practice and a habit of remembrance and gratitude to make sure our eyes stay on Jesus when we get to the mountaintops. Screaming out the name of Jesus when I'm in trouble or in the valley is certainly a habit that is formed in me. I was deeply close to him when my childhood home was filled with alcoholism and turmoil. I was deeply close to Jesus when my husband was going through cancer. I am deeply close to Jesus when I don't know sometimes where the money for bills are going to come from. But when my life is running smooth and things are going my way, do I still fix my eyes on Jesus? Or am I enjoying God's gift without thinking of the giver? Here are a few examples of how that can play out in our lives. He provides the finances, but in our minds, does God's house become a siphon for those finances? He provides the money for you, and they're like, oh, the church wants is my money. Oh, no, he wants to turn the lights on when you come to church on Sunday. (laughs) There's very practical reasons for that. He provides the children that we pray for. And then our whole world plans time revolve around them and not Jesus. He provides the significant other. And then our whole world plans time revolve around them and not Jesus. He provides gifts and talents. But do we make time to be used for his kingdom and then give unsparingly our gifts to this temporal world? 
The devil likes to trick us into thinking that God becomes a threat to the things God provides. God is not a threat to your provision. He is the provision. He gave it to you. But he likes to convince us that he's a threat. The devil likes to convince you. What a good trick. That God, a a good God who blesses us, gives us to us freely and unsparingly, blesses us even tangibly. And all of a sudden the devil likes to trick us into thinking, he's going to take that away from you. These kinds of mind games the devil likes to play come easiest to those who are not clear on the true nature of God. It comes to those who do not practice thankfulness. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If all you know of God's nature is in that scripture, then that's a good start. He gave it all for you. He didn't save us by taking from us. He saved us by giving the most precious thing he had. A God that gives all he has just to be with me compels me to give all I have just to be with him. He did it first. If you feel like you have to give God out of obligation right now, then I would urge you to reevaluate how you believe God to be. I would urge you to fight tooth and nail for the habitual prayer life and reading of the word. Clay, if you can come up, I'm not too sure where he is. We're about to, I'm about to close. If you struggle to remember God when you are walking in your promised land, I would urge you to check your heart for your thankfulness levels. Are you running low? I would urge you to check your heart for pride levels. Are you running high? Let us commit to the fire together. Let us commit to being the body of Christ that is fully submitted to the Lord. Let us notice when we walk into our local church, God, where do you want to use me here? You've brought me here for a reason. Where do you want me to be? You have a purpose for me, even here. God did not create you without a purpose. You were not here on your own. There is a reason why. Just like the the glass, just like the art we spoke about earlier, art doesn't just appear and get to say, you're welcome. (laughs) It doesn't get to do that. Not on its own. There's an artist behind that. There's an artist behind you. An intentional masterpiece maker. And that's exactly what he made in you. But it's in our perspective how we believe God to be. Above all, let us commit to being thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives and remind each other of the goodness of our God. That's where community comes in because we get to remind each other. Sometimes you're going to be up and sometimes someone else is going to be down and you're going to get to lift them up. Sometimes you're going to be down and they're going to be up and they're going to get to lift you. They're going to get to remind you. We take turns with that. We're not always going to all be good 100% of the time. But in community, places like your Cultivate classes, places like your C group, where it happens naturally, it's provided for you, you get to join together and look, si- like look at each other and connect in relationship and say, you helped me last week, it's my turn to remind you of who God made you to be. 
And that happens within the community of the local church because it's the body of Christ. Jesus died for the body of Christ. He died for the church. Engage in it. Engage what God's given you. Be thankful for where he's placed you. And I know some of you are hurting today. Some of you have been hurt by the church. Believe me, I've been there. God wants to heal you. He wants to develop in you an ability to open your heart to trust again. But, and to be honest, at the end of the day, people do people things. Which is, sometimes we can be ugly. Sometimes we can hurt. Sometimes I can have a bad day and not mean to like ignore somebody. And then that person, who knows if that person had a bad day. And that moment of ignoring sets them off and makes them feel this small. Sometimes we come in and say, nobody says hi to me. I come to church, nobody says hi. Can someone say that of you? Do you say hi? Do you connect? Sometimes we can say, nobody prays for me. Do you pray for somebody? If you have a picture of how the church should be and you don't feel like it's happening... Sometimes I believe that when we see problems, God's called us to be the solver. Maybe God's asking you to step out. Maybe he's challenging you to create something. Not leave, but create. You see a hole, maybe God's called you to fill it. You have a hole inside of a lack of connection and community in your local church. Make a friend. Talk to somebody. But sometimes we're waiting and then we get bitter in the waiting because nobody is doing it again. And I'm not saying that like I've been there. I've been there. I've been needy and I've been hurt and I need somebody to just say hi. So I want to encourage as well on the other end. Don't just walk into church and you say hi to the same people you say hi to every Sunday. Find a new face. Love on someone new. Welcome somebody that you've never welcomed before. Ask questions. Be the church. Be kind. I'm going to pray for you today. I'm saving the altar call for my second message because that one's actually a little bit more intimate, a little more personal. But I want to pray for you today. So if we close our eyes, bow our heads. Jesus, we love you. Father, we commit to laying our lives down for the process. God, as you're molding us, as you're using the fire to purify us, to make us pliable and moldable, Lord, we pray, God, that you would fix our perspective. Father, where we see you as a mean and angry God, where the devil has lied to us about your nature, Father, I pray right now over every mind, over every heart, over every perspective that those things would be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Any lie that the devil has convinced us of would fall off like chains to the ground. We will see you for who you really are. A good, kind, loving father. That you have purpose for the fire. And that we would see you as good as your submitting us to it when we submit to you. You're so good. 
and we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think we're going to worship.